First John chapter five, verse one, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God and whoever loves the father loves the child born of him. By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome for whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Let's pray. Father, bless now this reading of your word. And I thank you for the privilege to stand up here and to publicly read the word of God and that we give attention to it here. And I'm asking now for your help. Help me, God, to say what you want me to say. And I pray that I would be hearing from you right now. Uh, more than any other voice. God, you know my notes, you know my manuscript, you, you know the thoughts that I've put into this, but I really, truly want your agenda more than mine. And so where I may have gotten it off a little bit, I'm just asking that you would show up. And God, give us open hearts and minds uh, to receive today. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you, guys. Please be seated. And thank you for the water, whoever put this up here. Hmm. Okay. Praise God. You know, I was paying attention to my words this past week because I'm trying to practice what I, <laughs> what I preach. What a concept. Amen. And uh, just paying attention to some of my own words, and if not even that, some of the suggested words that I could say, and I was reminded how Jesus says, you know, out of the heart, the mouth speaks. And uh, what I want to have is faith in my heart so strong that uh, it governs the words that I speak. First John, this awesome letter, it can be a difficult letter uh, to to work through and understand. It takes some study. I'm still learning this book, just so you know this. But but this book tells us that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's in chapter 3, verse 8. And it tells us that greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And I want to get my thoughts. I'm not my heart in line with this, so that even the, the words that proceed forth from my mouth are in line with this. Now, when we start in verse 1 of chapter 5, we're right in the context of love. He's just said in chapter 4 that God is love. And ends uh, chapter 4 with this commandment we have from Him, that the one who loves God should love his brother also. So in, in verse 1 of chapter 5, so chapter 5, verse 1 now, as I always say, it might help for you to keep your Bible open as, as we look at the Word of God today, give attention to it. Whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ born of God. So we have Jesus is designated as the one born of God. And then down in verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And so the awesome the truth is because... Jesus is born of God by us placing our faith in him. We are now born of God. We're in company with Jesus Christ. And that's some good news. That is really good news. Um, verse 2, 
By this, we know that we love the children of God when we love God and observe his commandments. Jesus said in Upper Room Discord, of course, if you love me, you will keep my commands. And I've tried to share this before. I'm going to just do a brief. This just came to me. Okay. This glass right now, this represents water. And if this right here represents me, and if I love God, if I love God, I will keep his commandments. The keeping of the commandments would be the top of the stool right now. The love is the big part of the iceberg. You follow me? If I love God, it is going to emerge in me expressing that love. Did that make sense? Is that okay? I didn't test that out ahead of time. It's going to, it is going to emerge as the expression of me keeping his commandments. Now, before I move on from verse 2, I do need to make this, just this application. Uh, I love you, and I do just just about anything for you. And if it's in my ability to do it, I will help, because I love you. However, I will not break the commandments of God to help you. You see? Because that would not be loving you. By this we know, verse 2, that we love the children of God when we love God and observe His commandments. So if I am lying along with you, if I'm cheating along with you to help you out, I'm not loving God and I'm not loving you. I'm not loving you and I'm not loving Him. So this, this, this really should help us in a lot of ways of, well, but we do love them, so shouldn't we do this? Uh, that's if it's okay with God. Because now we belong to Him, right? He's the one who calls the shots. We follow now what He says, and we do it because we love Him. Verse 3, For this is the love of God, that we keep His commandments, and His commandments are not burdensome. And so, that's why... You know, and since my wife's not in here, I'll go ahead and use this. You know, when when she asks me to vacuum, I vacuum. And it's not burdensome because I love her. I put the dishes away. I put them in the dishwasher. I take them out of the dishwasher because I love her. Now, don't you guys tell her that I said all of that. Okay. I'm going to edit it out before we put it online even. <laughs> Verse 4, whatever is born of God overcomes the world. Was Jesus born of God? Did Jesus overcome the world? Yes. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. Now here he has mentioned faith. He brings this in to all of it. And this is why the commandments are not burdensome. Faith has this ability To believe that there is more joy and peace and fulfillment in God than there is in the world. That following what the world wants us to do or following what our own selfishness wants to do is not going to satisfy our souls. And faith sees something so wonderful in God that it's willing to say no to some things in order to keep its yes for God. And this is how faith then overcomes the world. 
as our faith believes that God has something better for us than this world can give us. Now, I know you know this, and I know this is right now I'm stirring you up by way of reminder, but I'm getting myself stirred up about this too, just so that you know this. Uh, Because we just have this constant bombardment coming at us all of the time. So, what we do now is, by our faith, we overcome the very thing that we saw Jesus overcome. Now, this is what I want to point out, though. The title of today's message is Faith. What faith does is faith puts into our lives the very things that Jesus did. To the point, to the point that what is said about faith can be said about Jesus. God is like revealing to me just how much more tightly, I mean, interlinked this is that what the Bible says faith does it's what Jesus does. I mean, okay, follow with me. Do you remember when Jesus, when somebody would be healed or come to ask him, he would say, your faith has made you well. But it's Jesus that made the person well. Your faith purifies your sins, but it's Jesus who does that. By grace, you have been saved through faith. That's a gift of God. So faith is a gift of God. But what I could put there, and I would never change scripture, but I'm just saying, if I were to be having a conversation, I could equally say, by grace you have been saved through Jesus. It was a gift of God, couldn't I? Do you see what I'm saying? That's tight. It's like even more than a correlation. The very things that the Bible says about Jesus, it tells us about faith. Your faith sets you apart. But it's really Jesus who sets us apart. So think with me about faith. May God pour more of it into our hearts today. May may He strengthen us. May He strengthen us to believe. To be people of astounding faith. Your faith overcomes the world. But it's Jesus who overcomes the world. So... God has so designed that faith unites us to Jesus in such a way that is mysterious. Faith sets us above the angels. Faith causes us to be born of God. Now that was in verse 4. We are no longer of the world. We are now of God. And that's down in verse 19, by the way. We know that we are of God and that the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. But my faith gets me out of the power of the evil one, and now I am of God. And then it's Jesus who does it. The Apostle Paul talks about the obedience of faith. Faith makes us heirs of God. Fellow heirs with Jesus. Faith makes us beloved of God. Why? Why is this so? It's when Jesus said, he who honors the Son, honors the one who sent him. When you believe in Jesus, you are honoring Jesus. And that so honors God the Father, that God delights in anyone who honors His 
son, your faith honors Jesus. Who or what you believe in, that's what you are honoring. And this is why God seems to be so pleased that all of the things of Jesus now become ours. All that Jesus bought and paid for is now our inheritance. And faith makes it so because Jesus makes it so. By faith, you died with Jesus. By faith, you were buried with Jesus. That's where my old man is. That, that, my, the old man is in the grave, in the tomb with Jesus. And so I lay aside the old man, just like Jesus took that face cloth off and rolled it up and set it over to the side. Jesus not only died for you, he was buried for you. By faith, we're raised up with Jesus. So we now get to live a resurrected life with all of the resurrection power that raised Jesus from the grave. You ever read that book? No, I can't remember the name of it. I'll come back to it later. There's a book that just talks about evidence. No, it's not evidence. But it's a book that talks about all that it would have had to happen in that body for it to come back to life again. It's a good book. I'll tell you about it afterwards if it comes to me. (laughs) By faith, not only have you been raised, but by faith, you've been seated with Christ in the heavenly places. Come on. That's where I want to get my perspective from. That's I don't want to get my perspective from the world, flesh, or the devil. We, we I hope you partner, I want to get my perspective uh, from things above. That I, that I try to see the facts of life through the truth of God. Facts are real. You deal with facts. We don't have to deny the facts to be people of faith. Okay, but there is something superior to the facts of life, and it's called the truth of God. And so I'm going to look at things more through the truth of God than I do through the facts of life. You follow what I'm saying? So think with me. Let this stir in you like God's doing it in me about faith, that we become people of faith. That we'd be marked by our faith. And praise God, our faith doesn't rest on us or our ability. Our faith rests upon one who raised from the dead and is seated in heaven and is coming back again. When he ascended, we ascended with him by faith. So when they put these bodies someday in a grave, you will be right up there Beside him on the throne. That astounds me. Okay. So think about this. When Jesus was baptized, faith says that you were baptized with him. When Jesus lived obediently, it's as if we lived obediently. 
So even when I fail in my obedience, this is very, this is more important than we often think about. When I fail in my obedience, I thank God that Jesus lived perfectly obedient in my place. Jesus did not only die for us. He did not, he was not only buried for us. He not only raised for us. He not only ascended for us, but he lived for us. And that, what that does to me is that makes me want to get right in line with him. I want to grab onto the coattails of Jesus. You see what I'm saying? So when he goes into heaven, I go slip in right in behind him. Like I'm on my scooter behind an 18-wheeler in that slip wind. You see what I'm talking about? <laughs> oh, so here's... if. If somebody tries to convince you God is unhappy with you, would you convince the someone of how happy he is with Jesus? But I'm not Jesus. I know that. And God knows that. I know I'm not saying I am. Jesus, God knows I'm not saying I am. But I'm no longer a freestanding individual without God or without hope in the world. What faith has done is it has united us to Jesus forever. And so in my premarital counseling, uh, the man told me, it's no longer going to be Steve. He says, no longer be Steve's doing this, Steve's doing that. It's now Steve and Chris. It's Steve and Chris. Because you two are now one. How did we become one? Well, I stood... On this side, and she was over here on this side. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm getting emotional. She was so, is so pretty, man. She, she, but seriously, when they opened those doors back there at the back of the church, I was like, wow. Praise the, okay, back to the, do not tell her. Okay. She said, I promise to love you. You see, she promised. And I stood over here and I believed. I believed. And that united us as one. And the preacher said, what God has brought together, let no one put asunder. You know what I want to start saying at funerals? At funerals. It works though because I died to self. Okay, okay. I want to start saying this at at weddings. I want to start saying now, what God has brought together, let no man nor demon in hell put asunder. That's what I would like to say. Jesus fulfilled the law on your behalf. As for your sin, Jesus was nailed because of it. As for the wrath of God, Jesus absorbed it. On your behalf. If something tries to show you your corruption and your defilement, show the something, the pure nature of Jesus. The next time you start feeling like God is angry with you, you need to remember your faith, Christian. He's not angry with Jesus. Okay? Now, with that, I do not want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to disappoint this God who loves me like he does. I don't want to disappoint Jesus. 
I want to be faithful to him. This is what it ought to, it, the things I'm saying right now, ought to, I hope it's doing something in each of you is going, oh man, I want to draw closer to Jesus. There's sometimes that when I'm thinking about something, reading about something, I want to hurry up and get past it so I can get home to my office to close the doors, to get down and pray and just be with Jesus for a little while. Now, how does this happen? Well, what happens is faith lays a hold of Jesus. Faith has this way of of reaching out of itself and grabbing a hold of some good things. It's a miracle that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus so regenerates our hearts that our hearts now reach out to grab a hold of someone outside of ourselves, that we stop trusting in ourselves, stop believing America's lie of, a lie, lie of just believe in yourself, and, and, and take things out and grab a hold of Jesus. Then when he places his spirit within you, then you turn inward to he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. But before you get to that part, faith reaches out. And it grabs a hold of somebody. Now this is, let me share with you why this is a miracle. Because you're actually reaching out to the one you've offended. (laughs) You're reaching out to the very one that you've disobeyed. You are actually believing that the Spirit of God works faith in you in such a way that it knits you to Jesus. That flesh and blood of which you are made. You're a piece of the earth. And yet somehow, because of your faith, reaching out to Jesus, you become an heir of heaven. You were once alone and very lonely. And yet now faith reaches out and you become a member of the body of Jesus. Praise God. You were in bondage, destitute, now free, now abounding. Abounding in love, abounding in hope. Do not settle for a little bit of hope. The, the idea is that you abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Romans 15 verse 13. Don't settle for little faith. Don't hear the words of Jesus, O ye of little faith. Remember Jesus said, when the Son of Man returns, will he find faith on the earth? But see, this all that I'm saying is by faith. And faith is not presumption. Faith does not just presume. The devil has these tactics, and you're aware of them. He makes the people who are saved feel like they're not. And then he makes the ones who are not saved assume that they are. This is presumption. James, you remember, chapter 2 says, you believe in God. Well, even the demons believe. That's what James chapter 2 says. And, and as far as demons are not saved, can we all agree on that? So just because you believe in God does not mean you're saved. You follow with me? Just because you believe that Jesus died on the cross does not save you. The demons believe that. Just because you believe Jesus raised from the dead does not save you. Key word in everything I've just said is that. You gotta take the word that out and you gotta put in, in. You need to believe in it. I might believe that this stool can hold me. 
I believe this stool, if I sit on it, I won't fall down. This is an age-old illustration, but it's good and it works. I believe that that stool will hold me up. That's a whole lot different from me now believing and putting my trust in it and watching the way that it holds me up. So we cast ourselves upon the mercy of God, and God is the very one who was justly offended. The very one who's offended at our sin is the one that faith causes us to reach out of ourselves and to let go of all these other things and grab a hold of Him. I'm not going to stand before God someday and tell Him He ought to let me into His Heaven, you know, entrance will be abundantly supplied to you into his eternal kingdom. Remember from first Peter, um, I am not going to do that or second Peter, excuse me, chapter one. I am not going to do that and say, well, I stopped and I helped some old ladies on the side of the road. I'm not going to tell them, well, I pastored. I'm not going to say any of those things. The truth is it's a hypothetical. I don't have to say anything. But here's the deal, Jesus, you sent your son Jesus and he died on the cross for me. I cast myself on the mercy of God. This is a miracle that takes place. The resurrection was not for Jesus alone. The, the resurrection was for all who believe. So first Peter chapter one, verse three says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. First Peter chapter one, verse three, he raised from the dead, not for himself alone, but for all who would believe. So now what? What do you do? I've said some things here that I believe God wanted me to share. Now what do you do then with this message? Well, I would suggest this. You will have times when you need to pray again what you have once prayed before, which is this. Lord, I do believe. Help my unbelief. Jesus, Jesus believed in the most crucial, critical times. Even when my faith is shaky and my faith is little and my faith is weak. Don't let the devil beat you up for it. Let the Holy Spirit draw you and come and just say, help strengthen my faith, Jesus. Strengthen my faith. Jesus said, I'm in agony. I'm in agony until this, this, uh, is completed. Stay awake and pray with me. Jesus was faithful. He was full of faith, even in the most difficult times. Number two, so that was number one. Number two, find some promises in Scripture and believe those promises. So in just in, in First John alone, in chapter 2, verse 25, it says, This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. That's the promise. And he promises eternal life. Those of you struggling sometimes with assurance of salvation, you need to believe that promise. He makes this promise. And I believe the promise. Find the promises in Scripture 
and apply your faith to those promises. Number three, hold on to Jesus when you are tested. Jesus knows what it feels like to be tested. And Jesus came through. And, and all of First Peter, just about you could say, is all about when your faith is being tested. And what you, what you ought to be able to experience in those moments when your faith is tested is joy inexpressible and full of glory. And I just want you to know, <laughs> I'm right with you in this message. My faith is tested. And I'm holding on to Jesus. I'm looking for promises in Scripture to hold on to as I now hold on to Jesus when tested. And then number four, I would say immerse yourself in faith-filled or in a faith-filled atmosphere. Get yourself around some believers. Get yourself around Christians who believe who believe what this book says, who are willing to take God at His Word. Get yourself in a faith-filled atmosphere and just see if that doesn't help you walk in faithfulness. So why do I say that? Because when you're troubled, when you're vexed, when you're depressed, it's either you don't believe what Jesus did for you or you're not exercising your faith at those moments. Exercise it. I think of faith like a muscle. That the more I exercise it, the stronger that it gets. The less oxygen it needs. And it can still perform other things. Straight exercise your faith. You know, Galatians 2, verse 20, says, It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live in the flesh... I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Now, the grammar in that verse literally could read, I live by faith. I now live by faith of the Son of God. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, but it literally can be translated the faith of Jesus. I don't know if that's how Galatians 2.20 should be translated or not, but I do know that it is true. Jesus was a man of faith, and Jesus believed even in our place when our faith is waning. That inspires me to increase my faith. Let me give you scriptural justification. He was a man of faith. When he was reviled, he did not revile and return. When he suffered, he did not threaten, but continued entrusting himself. Do you hear it? Entrusting himself to him who judges justly. That was 1 Peter 2.23. Hebrews 5.7 says this, In the days of his flesh he offered up both prayers and supplication with loud crying and tears to the one able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his piety, because of his godly, his faithfulness, his purity. So when you go before God, go before him with faith and know that you have the faith of Jesus on your side. Your faith has so united him, you to him that his obedience is your obedience. His faith is your faith. His death is your death. His burial is your burial. His resurrection is your resurrection. His ascension is your ascension. What's he doing in heaven right now? He's interceding for us. 
Take your faith to the throne of God where Jesus is interceding for you. And I don't care how choppy your prayers are, how grammatically incorrect they are. And quite honestly, sometimes I don't even know that I'm theologically right. I just let him take care of it. And I pour my heart out to him. And I believe this is what we need in America today. The church needs to be a believing church. You guys know what I'm talking about. So what I would say to anyone here is what Jesus said to Thomas. No longer be unbelieving, but be believing. Be believing. Would you, if you never have, would you come and put your faith in Jesus for eternal life? And Christians, would you rise up in your most Holy faith, praying in the Spirit. Jude, chapter 1, verse 21, I believe. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we love you and we want to thank you. And we just declare and we believe that it is by grace that we have been saved through faith. And that's not of ourselves that no one can boast, but it's the gift of God unto good works. And so I pray, Lord, that you would take these things that I've said today and this time that we have thought about these things and that you would take this now and feed a multitude. God, forgive us for times when we fall short in our faith and strengthen us, strengthen us so that the words of our mouths and the meditation of our hearts would be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. And we thank you, Jesus, that because your sacrifice was accepted by God the Father, that we now are accepted in you. What a glory and praise. In your name, precious Jesus, we pray. Amen.